0: The views and opinions expressed during Eye on the Triangle do not represent WKNC or NC State student media. Your dial is currently tuned into to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1 FM HD1. Thanks for listening. Hi, my name is Janine Ikequa. I'm the Public Affairs Director at WKNC Radio. On today's episode, we are going to be hearing two news stories. The first one will be weekly news with Abigail and Avery, and the second one is going to be an interview that I did with Emma Grace Barnes and with Catherine Carter, and they are actually the founders of a nonprofit called Lux.
1: Hello, and welcome back to Eye on the Triangle. This is Avery Davis, the Technician News Editor, here with Abigail Ali, I am the Technician Assistant News Editor. And we are back with our segment, Weekly News, where we talk about different things happening in North Carolina, in Raleigh, and at NC State. The way this show works is Abigail and I each pick three news tidbits, and we present them to each other, and we have some live reactions and conversations about those things that are going on in the area. So, without further ado, we'll get started. I will go ahead and start with the first one. The first one is kind of a fun activity that is happening this week that you can attend. On March 2nd, you can go stargazing on the Willard rooftop downtown. So, the Raleigh Astronomy Club is hosting the event for free, and that is on Wednesday, March 2nd. And the club will have telescopes and hobby astronomers there to guide stargazing and answer any questions. And there will be a fireplace and rooftop heaters. And basically, the winter constellations are on their way out. And you can catch glimpses of the constellations Orion, as well as others, and the hunting dog star Sirius. And I just think that would be something really fun to do if you are a... Fan of the stars. Personally, I love stargazing. We don't always have the best stargazing in Raleigh. It's not exactly like we're a huge city, but it's, you know, not as great as it is out in the country. And that will be from 7 to 9 p.m. March 2nd for free. So that's super exciting. Abigail, anything to say?
2: Wow. It looks like I might have some new plans for March 2nd. Uh I love stargazing too just because you know I'm from Edenton it's a lot flatter a lot more rural and at night you can see so many stars and it's one of my favorite things about that place so I have also noticed that in Raleigh it's not great for any kind of sky gazing there's a lot of hills a lot of trees a lot of buildings so you can't really see the sky at night so I kind of think this is awesome and then like rooftop heaters come on that's so good (laughs) That's so
1: good. Yeah, so that's super exciting. That'd be fun to do with your friends, with a date, or by yourself.
2: Hey. So guys, my first tidbit is because spring is coming and I love spring. Um, And if you're anything like me, you are super excited about being able to get outside and fix your gardens and seeing what you can manage to keep alive this year. With the spring vibes in the air, I figured I would shout out two local plant shops that I know you will love. And where you might find me and my mom pretty soon. (laughs) The first place I wanted to shout out is Fairview Garden Center. This place is crazy. They have so many plants and literally all kinds. The staff are super helpful and knowledgeable, and the plants are conveniently divided into groups based on their living needs. I went to Fairview a few times last year, and I was so shocked by how many plants that were there. And as someone who doesn't know much about all the different kinds of plants. Like, honestly, if you just tell me a type of plant, I have no clue what that is. So having the plants organized by their needs and similarities was so helpful. Another really cool place is Urban Pothos. This one is specifically for the houseplant girlies. They are a small shop that specializes in houseplants. Their IG bio calls them a plant boutique, which is the cutest thing ever. I actually haven't been to Urban Pothos yet, but it's been on my radar for a while, so... I am really excited to check them out.
1: Awesome. That's really cool. Um, I'm excited to check out Urban Pothos because I love a house plant. We love a plant boutique. Um, that's really cute. And I'm looking at pictures
2: right now, and
1: it's so cute on the inside.
2: It really is. And I think if you already have a plant that's kind of outgrowing its pot, I'm pretty sure you can them and they will repot it for you with their fancy soil concoctions.
1: Oh my gosh, that's so dope. Okay, cool. That's very exciting. Um, yeah, like you said, springtime is coming. It's time to cultivate life, people. So speaking of plants, a new plant-based COVID-19 vaccine that will be made in Research Triangle Park has been approved by health officials in Canada, and the government has agreed to buy millions of doses. So the vaccine developed by GlaxoSmithKline and Medicago will begin manufacturing the vaccine later this spring, and a contract to supply 76 million doses of the vaccine to Canada has been signed. And so basically, Medicago uses plants to produce virus-like particles that mimic the COVID-19 virus. And clinical trials showed that it was 76% Um, effective against all variants except the Omicron because when they were doing the testing, the Omicron had not rolled up on the scene yet, Um, but they are going to continue testing for that variant in the upcoming weeks. So I just thought that was really cool that this big new plant-based vaccine is going to be coming out of RTP. And I think that this makes it a little bit more accessible for people who can't have the normal types of vaccines. But basically, some people can be allergic to the vaccines that are made with that have like chicken proteins in them. So this is just exciting that they're having this new vaccine and it's coming out of RTP. So that was my little segue from the plants to the plant-based
2: vaccine. Ooh, that sounds so interesting. I didn't know they could do that. What a cool way. I don't know. That's just cool. Science. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, go science. Love to Tonight's see it. Women in STEM. On a less health-based note, I am going to be talking about sharks. So, okay, me and my sister have had been having this conversation lately about sharks endlessly because I have this crazy fear. I don't think it's crazy. It's a fear of swimming in large bodies of water due to the chances of being attacked by a giant fish or a shark. Yes, that's that's it. Basically, I watched too much TV when I was little and now I'm scarred for life and am always terrified of being eaten by something. <laughs> um, anyways, we grew up in a coastal community and spent most of the summers in big bodies of water, so I always went swimming, but that thought has never escaped me. Um... But anyways, this is going to be a fun summer for me because according to News and Observer, there is a study going on right now off the coast of the Carolinas to find evidence that on the coast of the Carolinas is where great white sharks gather to breed every year. For this project, sharks are being caught and having their blood analyzed to check reproductive hormone levels as well as other tests on like reproductive signs. If the theory that great white sharks mate on the coast of the Carolinas is true, it will mean that for about two months out of the year, the Carolina coast is brimming with great whites. Fortunately, those two months are suspected to be from late January to early March, so when I'm swimming, I'll probably be fine. (laughs) Also, this is proven true. This will be the first time that a great white breeding place has been found, so it's kind of like groundbreaking news if this happens.
1: I remember reading about this and being very surprised. I had no idea that great white sharks were even, like, around North Carolina, but maybe I just don't know anything about sea life. But, yeah, there was a couple a few weeks ago who found a six-foot great white shark um, dead on the beach at the Outer Banks. And so that's super interesting. Um, I don't know if you saw that... In Australia, there was a man who got killed by a shark in the water, and it was really brutal. I feel like normally, maybe I shouldn't be telling you this, but I feel like normally when you hear about a shark attack, it's very, it's like they bite the person and swim away, or I don't know, it's not super brutal, but there was a great white um, shark attack in Australia a few weeks ago, and it just like really went in on the guy, and unfortunately the man died. And yeah, so that's exciting to hear that we might have our own fun great white population here in North Carolina. So it is between January and March, so if any of you guys are going to the beach with your friends and wanna take any polar plunges, look out, watch your toes. (laughs) And the last tidbit that I have for you guys today is that NC State has been named as the best large employer in the state. And so they're number one, and this number increased from fourth place in 2021 and ninth place in 2020. So an anonymous survey is conducted by Forbes for businesses with over 1,000 employees, and the large employer category is for those with 5,000 employees or more. And respondents were asked about working conditions, development opportunities, compensation, and if they would recommend working at that place to a friend. And in 2020, um, the UNC system conducted a similar survey with 84% of respondents agreeing that they were proud to work at NC State. And there's going to be a follow-up survey on March 28th. So we'll see how things have changed in the you know past two years, but it looks like they're doing pretty well. Um and so I just thought that was really interesting. It's good to know that NC State is a good place to work, not that it's perfect. No place is perfect, but I mean, it's one of the best in the state. I mean, it beat it beat out like Duke University as well as like Duke Energy and a bunch of other big companies. So that's pretty cool. And then something else that I thought was really cool is that nationally, NC State ranked above Apple,
2: SpaceX, Sony, and Tesla. So okay, Wow, NC State is hopping the charts. That is so impressive, honestly, and i'm I'm kind of not surprised just with being in news and stuff. You talk to a lot of the professors and a lot of the people that work at NC State. And so many of them are so excited about what they're doing. So, like, yeah, it's pretty cool to hear that that actually is the case and they're not lying to me. (laughs) (laughs) For my last tidbit, I figured we couldn't end this episode without bringing up that NC State is making masks optional in most spaces on March 7th. This is about a week after the community standards update uh, saying that masks are optional in places like hallways and tally. Um... Face coverings are still welcomed and encouraged, as well as vaccinations and boosters, but we kind of know how that goes. Students are probably, they're not too worried about that. They're probably just excited to no longer have these things. Testing is still going to be available on campus, but it is no longer mandatory for unvaccinated individuals or those who have not submitted their vaccination documents. Um, I felt like this was important to bring up because it's been so long since the, the Panini press started and so long since, at least in Raleigh, that masks are not required in most spaces. So I just wanted to say to have empathy and patience with one another and respect people's choices. It's been a crazy few years, so let's just show people some grace with where they are and what they're comfortable with. But yeah. No more mandatory masks as of March 7th.
1: Yeah, that's, you know, regardless of if you're going to continue to wear your mask, if you're not, it's obviously an interesting development, and it shows that, you know, hopefully things are trending in a good direction, that cases are going down, and this is a good step forward, which is exciting. But yeah, I just kind of agree with what Abigail said, that, you know, people are going to have different opinions and might make different choices than you, but we just all need to respect each other, whether you're wearing one, whether you're not. We're all still people at the heart of things. So, yeah. Well, this has been the Weekly News with Avery and
2: Abigail Ali.
1: And we just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you enjoyed. We hope that you learned a little something about the Triangle area. And we will talk to you guys soon.
0: Bye. Bye. Next, you will hear the interview that I did with the co-founders of Lux, Emma Grace Barnes, and Katherine Carter. Lux is a nonprofit dedicated to providing legal services for survivors of sexual assault. In this episode, we're going to be talking about how they founded their nonprofit and the current work that they're actually doing. And also, they will be having a pop-up on March 27th, and I will leave details in the bio and our podcast. Enjoy. Um, Today, I am joined with the founders of Lux, Emma Grace Barnes and Catherine Carter, and we're going to be talking about their new nonprofit. Thank you guys for being here so much. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we're so excited to be here. Great. So first of all, I want to um, start off by just let the audience know a bit about yourself. Of course. So my name is Catherine
3: Carter. I'm a sophomore at NC State, majoring in political science and minoring in Spanish. Um, I grew up right here in Raleigh. I'm so excited to, to stay at State and stay close Home.
4: Yeah, and I am Emma Grace. I am a sophomore as well here at NC State. Um, I'm majoring in neurobiology and minoring in social work, and I'm originally from Charlotte. And yeah, I'm just, like I said before, I'm really excited to be here and talking to you all. So we are here
0: because of Lux. Now I know the first time when I heard Lux, like I automatically thought of luxury, which is probably not what Lux is. So I want you to tell us, so what exactly is Lux?
3: So Lux is a nonprofit that Emma Grace and I started last year together. Um, Our mission is to provide support for survivors of sexual violence through providing legal resources. And we chose the name Lux because it means light in Latin. And that felt like what we wanted to incorporate into our nonprofit because our goal is to bring light to an incredibly under-resourced community um, and a community that often has a lot of stigma and shame surrounding it when there should not be any at all for survivors. So our resource is our website The idea is that we're the first stop after violence happens, because when something like that happens, it's incredibly personally traumatizing, and the idea of doing research on top of your personal healing is incredibly daunting. So we've done the research so survivors don't have to. They come to our website. All the resources that they might need are laid out there, and they have that information that they can pull from rather than having to spend hours upon hours looking for that information. But we are expanding in the near future and hoping to be able to provide practical legal aid to survivors rather than being a resource that then sends them to other organizations.
0: So I know you talked about like you started Locks and Lux because you were able to help sexual assault survivors. So I wanted to know, there are multiple ways that you can help them. But why did you feel that it was important to start an organization by itself that provides that um, help?
4: Yeah, so I um, have had personal experiences when it comes to the legal aspect of like these kinds of situations. Um, and so for me especially I, I remember my interactions with the legal system when it came to um, my experience with sexual assault and, it, did, it was not as comprehensive as I wish it had been. Um, it didn't go in my favor. And there were a bunch of holes that I saw in the system. And um, when I talked to Catherine, she completely agreed, had the same concerns. And so we wanted to be an organization that could fill those holes and kind of fill that gap within the system to provide more cohesive and comprehensive care to survivors um, when they choose to pursue that.
0: First of all, I just want to congratulate you and just talk about how brave you are for the fact that you were actually able to take that step. So you give yourself a very big pat on the back because that is an extremely brave thing to do. Um, I know we talked about the resources that Lux off, that Lux offers, but can you dive a bit more deeper into that and like specifically talk about um, the type of aid that it offers?
3: Absolutely. So like I said, our resource right now is our website, and we have um, a bunch of different sections on our website for different type of resources. Um, there's an education section for anyone who wants to learn more about um, the effects of sexual violence and how you can help, things like that. There's a section specifically about how you can help if you're interested in getting involved in this field. Um, and then there's a resource section for survivors for information directly after they Uh, come to our website after violence has happened, like I said. And then we also have a resources section for allies. So if somebody you're close to has come to you and said, this happened to me, and you don't really know how to handle it, you can come to our website. There's literature you can read. But there's also just like information about how to handle that if somebody comes to you and the ways to support them that not a lot of people are aware of. Um, And then we also have other sections on our website, just more general things for people to come and hopefully become more knowledgeable about this field that again, like I said, is incredibly underrepresented and not talked about very often in society.
0: Okay, I'm going to take you fast forward five years, we're going to do a nice little jump. Now, of course, Lux is in its beginning stages. But I want to know, like, where do you see this nonprofit going in five years?
4: Yeah, so that's a great question, and that is honestly something that Catherine and I um, not change our minds about frequently, but we constantly have more and more ideas um, about what we, the direction that we want Lux to go in, so, Cat, if I miss anything, feel free to just jump in and add it, but of course. definitely in five years, um, we would love to be kind of a, a service and an organization that is seen and used nationwide. Um so that we were able to help survivors from a variety of different like geographical locations, um, but also just like within our hometowns, but also everywhere. Um, So that is definitely a goal that we have. Um, Obviously we want to have a bunch of lawyers or legal practices, um, a variety of legal aid um, available to the survivors for the use, um, for their use and kind of just streamline that whole process. Because of course, when we start it'll be different now than it looks in five years. So we want to be able to streamline that whole thing. Um, and yeah, Kat, you could add anything else. I would just second everything
3: Emma Grace has said. Um, at its core, Lux is meant to help survivors in any way that we can. So I think in five years, we could go in a lot of different directions, uh, depending on the best track that we see to help survivors the most, but like Emma Grace said, we're really hopeful that we can just expand, A, our presence, and B, um, the legal aid aspect of our organization. And personally, I plan to go to law school after college, so I'm very hopeful that like with that degree, I'll be able to, to change my role in this organization um, to provide a little bit more of that aid like from my own standpoint.
0: So I know we've been talking about um, how the legal system does not do a good enough job when it comes to helping like survivors of sexual assault. So I wanted you to shed some light. Like, what are the specific problems and issue like, with the legal system?
3: We do not have time to get into all the problems <laughs> of the legal system with sexual, <laughs> sexual violence. To be candid, the system was designed to protect the perpetrators rather than to bring justice to the victims. To begin with, 95% of rapes go unreported. So before we even get to the legal system, they're not being reported. They're not being brought to the legal system in the first place. Once you do get to the legal system, regularly your first stop is going to be the police office where you go to report something traumatic that has happened to you and police officers are not trained on how to handle a situation as delicate as that one. In rare instances, sometimes you go to the police station to report something and another assault will happen. Once you get to the courtroom, I hear all the time about cases where somebody gets off because the perpetrator was drunk, because you would never do that when you're sober. Things like that where the victim is not treated like somebody who had a crime occur to them they're treated as somebody who was just a little slutty that night, who had too much to drink, who wanted it, and now she's going back on it. And they're treated as somebody who's done something wrong, rather than somebody who has had an incredibly traumatic thing happen to them that is against the law and needs to be brought to justice. Something that we talk all the time about in our nonprofit is the book Know My Name by Chanel Miller. It was a really i was a very famous uh, rape case a few years ago the brock turner rape case if you remember that the swimmer mm-hmm. who went to stanford yeah. um and i think that situation just like encapsulates perfectly what is wrong with the legal system it took her years to get a verdict it took her standing in front of a courtroom and having to relive her trauma it took people telling her that she was in the wrong that he had done nothing wrong that she wanted it that because she was drinking it was her fault and even though she did get a guilty verdict he went to prison for only six months and well he was sentenced to six months and then was let out after three months for good behavior for raping a woman so I think like that encapsulates and like just so much of what is wrong with the legal system and I could talk forever about it but when we started Lux the goal was to close a little bit of that gap and honestly just to bring as much light as possible as we could to the situation so that people talk about it and it's not as stigmatized. There's a quote in Chanel Miller's book, and I'm just going to say it off the top of my head, so forgive me if I get it wrong, but denying darkness does not bring anyone closer to the light. When you see a victim of sexual assault all the, betwe- beneath all the gore and police reports, there's a whole beautiful person looking for ways to be in the world again. And that's kind of what we're trying to do. Like beneath the gore and the police reports, there's a whole beautiful person. And a lot of the time in the legal system, that person gets washed away.
4: Yeah. And on top of all of that, and yeah, you know, Catherine and I are both so pat, We could talk about this for hours. Um there the way that the legal system works, the way the justice system works right now is that the perpetrator, it's seen as like a blip, a blip in their life. Like, oh, it happened once. It was one instance, move on with your life. But for the person that it happened to, for the, for the survivor, it, it is not a blip. It kind of, it just takes over their whole life. It's something that has changed who they are to their core, the core of their being. It's not, so sorry it's not just a blip it's not just a single instance it's not just something they can forget and the legal system sees it as that they see it as a mistake they see it as a one-time occurrence they see it as something that happened last week that doesn't influence this week that won't influence next week and that just mindset in itself is so detrimental and so traumatizing to so many survivors and especially when those mindsets influence verdicts um, it just, it's it just, it fundamentally is wrong. So we've been talking about like
0: the importance of Lux and like the gap that the legal system has created and Lux being able to help fill some of that gap. And obviously we know that it's a very important organization. So I want to know what are some ways that people can support your organization?
3: This is an awesome question. Um, we really appreciate um publicity if that's something that people are able to do just resharing our posts uh financial donations are really helpful as well but honestly the biggest thing that we're asking of people is just educating themselves on the topic we want to dismantle the societal stigma around sexual violence so learning about what it looks like learning what to do if somebody comes to you and says this horrible thing happened to me learning how To notice it in real life. If one of your friends looks like she's been acting really differently lately, or he looks like he's in a really uncomfortable situation at a party, being aware of it and looking for it and knowing what to do if you do encounter it. And then lastly, trying to dismantle that stigma inside yourself so that when you hear about sexual violence, you don't like, you aren't ashamed of the survivor. And in actuality, you look at the perpetrator as somebody who has committed a crime and deserves to be brought to justice. So individuals really have a huge part to play in the fight against sexual violence, because if you learn more about it, you're much more likely to to hopefully stop it if it happens to somebody else and to respond well. And then the more this is brought to light, the less perpetrators are gonna be able to get away with hurting other people.
0: So we talked about how um, people can support the organization, but the organization was built for, is built for people who have been sexually assaulted for sexual assault survivors. So I want to know if somebody who has been sexually assaulted, like they come across this podcast and they want to seek help, like what is one of the first things that they should do? Like who should they contact? Where are the, what are the type of people that they should go to?
4: Yeah, so... Um, I want to preface this with every single person's kind of path is going to be different because it's going to be based on what works for them and what they're comfortable with. So there's not really a, like a one-stop shop um, kind of a one singular path you would go down for that. But um, depending on the person's comfort level, you know, listening to this, um, it is really important to have a really strong support network, especially if you, whether you decide to pursue Legal action or not. So, the first thing I would say, just based on my own experience and um, kind of others' experiences, I would reach out. I would talk to someone that you trust and you confide in because support is one of the best things that people can give others. Um, And then also check out our website, of course, luxresources.org. We have a bunch of different steps on there on how to go about pursuing legal action if you so choose. Um, and also you can always reach out to us, our, our, emails and the Lux email, which is also on our website. Um, but really I would say, regardless, you definitely want to build a big support network. And, um, one of the biggest things, and this is a really hard thing, but if you decide that you do want to pursue legal action, it is really, really important to document anything that has happened to you um because eventually when it comes down to it when there is a case when you're in the courtroom that evidence will be some of the only things that can actually prove that what happened to you um did happen and while your experience is completely valid we want the system to see that as well and so being able to document what has happened to you is a very very vital part of it um but again That can be very, very traumatizing for some people. So, I highly, highly recommend if anyone is listening to this podcast and something like that has happened to them, or even if you think it did, please confide in someone. Please build a support network because that is genuinely the best thing that you can do for yourself starting off.
3: And I would just highlight again anything that Emma Grace and I can do for anyone who is going through this. Like, we built our website so that survivors can go there, but also absolutely reach out to us if that is something that you feel would be helpful and see what services we can provide. Because again, at its core, LUX is designed to help survivors in whatever way we can. So please reach out to us if that's something that you think would be beneficial for you.
0: Um, my last question is, are there any future plans? Are there ongoing events that people should know about when regarding LUX?
3: We are really excited about an event that we're holding on March 27th at 1.30. It's a pop-up fundraising event with other small businesses from Raleigh. Um, You can come check it out. There'll be a bunch of vendors there, and we will be there selling our stickers and trying to raise awareness of our organization. So anyone who wants to come out, we would really appreciate that. Um, That is our main big event coming up. In the future, we've got some really big projects that are underway right now that we're working on that aren't necessarily ready to be shared but there is big stuff coming in the future.
0: Okay. Well we look forward to seeing all the big stuff and we'll be definitely be supporting you. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for letting me interview. It has been a joy to get to know more about you and about the organization and it is a great thing to know that there are organizations out there like you that are doing such amazing work.
3: Thank you so much for having us. Um, I'll just say that our website is www.luxresources.org. That's L U X. So please go to our website if you have any time and check us out.
4: Yeah. yeah again, thank you so much for having us. This has been great. Um, and anyone out there who is listening, whether it's through our website or not, you know, preferably through our website, but please get help if this, is, if this has happened to you because you deserve it. Absolutely.
0: Music in this episode has been North Oakland Ecstasy by Squad A B, licensed under the YouTube Audio Library. This has been Janini Kekwa for WKNC Radio. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can listen to more episodes at WKNC.org podcasts, and you can also tune in every Sunday at 6 p.m. to hear new episodes from Eye on the Triangle.